Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to In My Heart, a podcast truly about all the things in my heart and finding our freedoms. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. My next guest, Maya Shaka, is an educator who made good trouble in her classrooms, earning her awards and accolades such as Teacher of the Year. While simultaneously, she was making her mark on the field, officiating football for colleges, U.S. conferences, and the XFL. When in March 2021, Maya Shaka made history as the first Black woman to join the National Football League and as only the second woman to join the on-field officiating staff. Maya continues to be an agent for change, devoting her time pouring into the communities that help nurture her growth, focusing on at-risk youth from implementing procedures to increase school attendance and retention rates to founding GEMS, Girls with Empowering Minds and Spirits, a club designed to promote self-esteem, academic achievement, and educational encouragement in young women. And most recently, her newest nonprofit, MMC, standing for Make Meaningful Change, Maya continues her commitment to provide educational enrichment opportunity to economically disadvantaged youth. She is a rock star on and off the field, and she is in my heart. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. That was phenomenal. Thank you. <laughs> Aside from, I mean, I, I get choked up when I talk about you, when I read about you, you touch my heart, you are in my heart, and I cannot wait to dive in. So thank you so much for being here. Okay, so originally you're from Rochester, New York, just a few hours north of me here in the Berkshires. And you say that you were raised with a family first mentality and that you carried that through your schooling and your career. Can you tell us about that and just, you know, your early beginnings? So growing up real young, uh, you know, my parents, they were married at the time when they had their bookstore, Kitabu Kingdom, which is Swahili for book. And that really laid a huge foundation for us. So my father, uh, he was very adamant about us sticking together at the time. Um, and, you know, he had us working in the bookstore and, you know, taught me how to be a cashier when I was four. And, you know, I, that was something I did from four to the age of 11. And I was able to, you know, learn my mathematics at an early age and, you know, counting backwards. I, I learned how to run the old credit card machine where you guys had to scan it and call in for checks. Yeah. And so he was very adamant about teaching his kids how to be self-sufficient young. And that's how I grew my independence, because I felt like I was a little adult you know, working in that bookshop when I was younger. And then, you know, when I grew up, 
times got a little rough, you know, when parents divorce and it seemed like I had to, you know, have the back. I had a younger sibling, my younger brother. I had to make sure I did everything to, you know, make sure that he was okay. I had to look out for mom and that just started to grow on me. And that's how I ended up moving to Virginia to care for a relative while I was an undergrad at Norfolk State. And so every decision I made in my life was pretty much, I need to make a decision that's not only going to benefit me, but really that's going to benefit my family or others around me. Amazing. That is a, that's a beautiful way to grow up. I grew up in a small restaurant. Um, you had the bookstore. I had a small restaurant. So mm -hmm. I was serving the soft serve ice cream cones. Yep. I was a little bit older than you. I was just under 11. And I remember feeling so important in the fact that I was lending into the family business, that mm -hmm. I was standing in my mom's store, you know, in her shop and representing her and, and counting back the change. <laughs> yep. See? It's, you know, it is empowering to get youth into those situations. Mm -hmm. um, and so I love to hear that about you. Now, did you grow up in a sports family? Not really. My family was more so heavy into education and understanding our own identities my grandfather was the big jock and he played, he loved sports and he played everything. And by default, I was a tag along because my grandfather loved my younger brother. Cause you know, he's a man. My granddad was a man's man and yeah. that was it. And if I wanted my, my pop pop's attention, I had to be, I had to run with the boys. Rough and tumble. Yeah. And so by, by just playing with the boys in the neighborhood, cause they were in my age range, the girls weren't. Uh, my grandfather started to respect me a little bit because he says, hey, I have a, a granddaughter that can pretty much do everything that my grandson can do. And, you know, that that's how I got my, you know, my athletic prowess was from there. Yeah, don't, doesn't he know that song? Anything boys can do, girls can do better. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't know it then, he but he knew it. That, but he, you showed him. See, you preach I it. sure did. I love it. So what kind of sports did you get into growing up? I played everything, uh, but as an organized sport, my main sport I stuck to is basketball, mm -hmm. but anything where I can compete and I can trash talk and, you know, and just anything I can get out there and, and you know, get going. It was me. I love that. I mean, growing up in the restaurant business versus sports, you trash talk in the kitchen, you know, so <laughs> I learned my F's and Q's pretty, you know, religiously in the, <laughs> in the kitchens of restaurants. <laughs> I love that so much. So I remember when I was in high school, I, I, I was a, a four-letter varsity winner. So I was big in sports, really athletic. I believe in sports and athletics so much. And we're going to get into that more just in development and things like that. Like, how did you fall in love with football? Wow. That's, <laughs> I think I fell in love with football when I noticed I can hit the boys just as hard as they can hit each other. I think that's when I fell in love. And, and you know, just being able to score touchdowns, running up and down the field in my neighborhood. Yes. That, that that's where I fell in love, but just finding out how like to really officiate it and realizing that I can belong in a world, you know, cause I wasn't able to play a sport that I actually really enjoyed and just being able to realize, Hey, I can still be close to that. That didn't happen until I started teaching and I was introduced to it by a coworker and, you know, he knew, he knew my passion for the game and he knew how much I loved it. And he just said, this is a great way for you to just still be involved and not play. Oh my gosh, what a beautiful curtain to pull back and say, there is no barrier. Look, you could, you could do this, you could be this. I love your heart and I love your soul so much. So I would play uh, football with the boys and we would play tackle football in the whole nine yards. And I remember distinctly, I must've been about 11 years old. My dad walking me over to the field. We played right next to Richie Harper's house. He had like a little lot, empty lot that we played. 
And um, I told my dad, I guess one night at dinner that like we were playing, how was the game going? I said, it's good, but the guys are holding me down long on the tackle. You know, they won't let me up out of the tackle. And so my dad next day went to the football field and he's like, it's flag football from here on in, boys. <laughs> you, know, you know what? I have a very similar story. And, you know, I just think it was boys finding their way yes, <laughs> at, at that time. A little cop and you a little feel here and there. Like, yep, oh, something's yep. different there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That is so funny. Well, and then, you know, my football career ended. You know what I mean? There was no, there was nowhere mm -hmm. to go. There was no idea. So I love that someone drew back the curtain for you and said, if you love this game, learn this game, really mm -hmm. learn this game. And that is, that's what you did. So how did you start your journey into officiating? Well, again, it, like I said, it was my coworker and he introduced me and he, you know, I just started out working high school football at that point. Uh, and all I was working was JV and like Pop Warner, yeah. but I would work every single game that was assigned. Like I never turned down a game. I always made myself available because once I started to learn it, I became addicted to the, Hey, this is fun. And then the work that goes behind being great at something, I fall in love with the process. And so I just made myself available. You know, I, I would, I would work the JV games Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then I'd spend all day Saturday working Pop Warner there my first year. And I think the commissioner, you know, the, the signer of the league, he saw that and he saw something in me and he ended up throwing me into like a varsity game, like at the end of my first year to see if I could really make it. And not too many people work varsity like their first year. So I, I jumped in the game, you know, I killed it, you know, the way, the way that I should have killed it. And I, you know, coaches gave some really high, high remarks and, you know, about my performance in the game. And it, I took off from there. They just started believing in me. My assigner believed in me. You know, he put me on a full varsity crew the following year with a, with a bunch of men who were already working college football. So year two of me officiating altogether, I'm surrounded by people who are already working on that next level. Mm -hmm. And they started to instill in me, you know, the work ethic and the grind and the process. And they started feeding me college rules. So they taught me how to be a college official, you know, while I was learning just how to officiate football. So, oh and that's God. what helped me progress. Yeah. Yes. Now, so there, there, I want to ask the question, but I first have to hold on high the love here, the beauty of the love mm -hmm. here, because we hear so often how, especially as women, like we're held down, we're pushed down, we're not encouraged. It's like, yeah, that's, you know, you, okay, little girl, sit back, let the man do it, whatever. It seems as though you had really amazing men in your life that, that, that opened a door that supported you, that saw your promise and didn't think that there were barriers. There had to be some that didn't. And I want to ask like Pop Warner, for those people that are listening that don't know, is pretty young. I think it ends at 13 and then you move into JV. Pop Warner is kind of young youth football. So there is probably because there are a lot of parents. You didn't maybe receive any, you know, sneers or anything like that. But was there a time, you know, early on where you knew that you had some barriers or did you really have a support system that shielded you from that and, and, and empowered you? Talk about that a little. A combination of both. And there were some things that were going on behind the scenes that they didn't tell me about until later because they didn't want to break me. They were so for, for you kind of thing a little. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, for example, the very first uh, kickback that I may have faced was after my third year of officiating high school football, I was assigned a state championship, which is pretty much unheard of. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for us with our board, after you're on your probation, you're considered probationary official up until you complete your third year. 
and I had just completed my third year in November. I was in vote. I was voted in by the association. So now I'm a full member and the state championship was in December. And, you know, technically I'm a full, full fledged member, but to them, I'm not. So the board said, Hey, she's, we don't want her to work the state championship. She's not a full member, but my entire crew who I had worked with the entire year, they had my back and they said, you know what, if she doesn't go, our whole crew doesn't go. And I worked on probably the best crew that our association had. And so they really, they fought tooth and nail for that to go against the board. And of course they won, <laughs> you know, because there, there wasn't anything inside the bylaws that said I couldn't go because I was right. voted in and I went and I killed it and I did well. And a few years, a few years later, I went back and I served on that same high school board that tried to hold me down. You know. ah, looking right in the eye, baby. The best revenge is sweet success. Hello. Yeah, but but I don't I don't want people to think that my entire my entire organization was like that. You have to realize the yeah. age of some of these men that were sitting on there. And of course, they're so stuck in there. Like they're they have a lot of traditions and, you know, a lot of people can't see past the black and white. And yes. they're not really accepting of something new at first. Um, but they really do embrace me and they really are supportive of, every, of everything I'm doing because at the time they didn't see the vision. You know, my crew saw the vision and my commissioner saw the vision, but the board members didn't see the vision at the time. Right. And you persevere to show them the vision. And it seems like you flipped some perspectives, which is, you know, there's mm -hmm. some people that are just, you know, old, old habits die hard and old dogs, let them lie. Hopefully they lie down and stay down because <laughs> I'm about change and evolution. But um, I, I love I love to hear this because we don't hear this enough that even though there were naysayers, there were other people breaking through that paper with you, seeing the promise, seeing that there was equity that needed mm -hmm. to be celebrated and needed to be given and that that, that success needed to happen. I, I just I think that that is a moment that we all need to take. And I think everybody who's been held down at some point in their life does have someone, hopefully, that lends a hand, even uh, sends a, a, a message of kindness, a wink, you know, mm -hmm. some sort of encouragement that tells us to keep going. And we hear so much about, you know, that, that it's not out there. And I know that it's out there. When we look for bad, we're going to find a lot of bad. When we look for love, we will find the love. So I like sharing a little bit of love. And, and I know that the struggles didn't stop. It wasn't like you got through varsity, got, you know, now we're talking, you know, March, 2021 and you received your promotion. Well, I mean, maybe we should go back to first year nomination to be on the national football league. So let's talk about that first before your promotion to actual on field officiation. What happened there when now you're in the big leagues, now you're with the big boys, you know what I'm saying? And I know that high school parents can be big boys and big girls, but Something shifted probably when you got into the professional. Was it true or tell us a little bit about that? First, I went through the college ranks first before okay. I, before I didn't, I just jumped straight from high school. I forgot. Straight you know, to NFL. I like the game. So, so much I know about officiating. No, it's, it's crazy. So here, here's, here's actually another story. So after I worked my state championship, I had to go to like these clinics and these meetings if I want to work college football. And that's where I met my supervisor, you know, Gerald Austin from Conference USA and at the time, I think Sarah Thomas was just started to work in Conference USA. So he had already hired her and then he meets me and then he hires me. Like, I think she'd been in there for maybe two or three years before me. So Gerald is definitely a visionary. And when I had a conversation with him afterwards, you know, why did you take me straight out of high school? 
his his remarks were, you know, there's something in you. You're confident. You can speak. You know how to communicate well. You can advocate for yourself. Those are all the great qualities that we need for an official. You just need to un- learn how to officiate college football. If I would have, if he would have left me and I would have had to go through the ranks, division two, II, division three in the area I was, he told me that there were so many men that would have made my path like just hard. And he didn't want me to have to go through that because I would have been discouraged and you know, that we would have lost out on having a really good official. Yeah. And so he under, he under, he knew like the type of racism and the sexism that I would have gone through. And he just, you know, scooped me up underneath his wing and taught me everything I know about football. And so with Gerald, he uh, officiated in the National Football League for 27 years and he had worked three Super Bowls. So he's like the man for football. And so he started preparing me much like in high school. And I'm I'm oblivious to all this stuff. I'm just working. You know, I'm not setting a goal to the NFL. Right. I'm just working. He starts teaching me NFL mechanics and NFL rules after my first year in Conference USA. So he had already started to prepare me for you know, what he saw for me that I didn't even see myself at the time. So again, I'm working ahead and not necessarily working on my level. And so that helped me out tremendously with just being able, you know, to, to, you know, to, to fit in. And then I get interviewed by the, by the NFL in 2013. And then they bring me into their development program in 2014. And so there I spent seven years of, you know, just going to training camps, going to study sessions, uh, trying to read the rule book and understand the rules and penalty enforcements and, you know, just understanding how to deal with all those personalities. So it took some time. It's like football college. Right. Yeah. Totally. I was going to say you were getting yep. your master's in pro game with Absolutely. You know, the book smarts. That's incredible. I love that you had a guardian angel. You had a mentor. You had someone that was like, nah, we're going to buck the bullshit. Part of my French, but it's perfectly good English. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so let me, let me ask you about, because you are so confident and you are so, you know, just, you just shine, you have an eminence about you. When someone was trying to knock you down, like, what was your MO? Like, how did you brush it off? You know, I, I just, I have to know that about you. Cause part of me says, part of me sees you as someone that kind of shake your head at the ignorance and kind of move on. But did you have to stand up for yourself? Did you have to get in any faces? Tell me about that a little bit. It's a little different for women when we have to stand up for ourselves. Because if we just want to get in somebody's face, sometimes we're considered like, you know, like the B word or uh-huh. just aggressive. So, oh, yeah, boss me, bitch, I know it. Yeah. Yeah. So with me, I had to learn how to combat or that angry. differently. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> all, the, all the above. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I always just had to let my work speak for itself. Like, even though I knew that, I was getting a lot of kickback and, you know, there was just things that are in my way. I had to cipher through all that stuff and just focus on me. I can't control other people's thoughts. All right. Sooner or later, those that have bad opinions about you, once you show and you prove them wrong and you, you constantly show up, you know, all those opinions go away because nothing else matters at that point, you know, just because you have put the work in. And that's where like my confidence comes from. My confidence comes from me just being, you know, solid in my work and knowing that I have the ability to do it. So challenge me if you want to, if I lose a challenge, I'm not, you know, I'm going down kicking and screaming. So it's not going to be a blowout on me by any means because I'm prepared for it. Right on. Well, that leads me to something really special that 
that I love so much that I I'm putting on my glasses because I got to, this is the quote, this is a quote from, from the day that you receive your promotion for your on-field, you know, to be an on-field official in the National Football League. And I call it the quote of the day, not the quote from the day. And I'm going to read what you said. You said, this historic moment to me is an honor and it's a privilege that I've been chosen to represent women and women of color in the most popular sport in America proving that I can defy the odds and overcome and pretty much master a craft of sport that I didn't really play, that I have a love and passion for. And hopefully that just gives someone else, you know, some inspiration and empowers them to step outside of the box and do something different. Like, I want to cry. Like, that gives me the chills. I mean, we need... We need you like multiplied, like where's the matrix of Maya? Because I, I just have to ask you if I'm emotional about that, what was that day like for you? A, a lot of emotions running through me just because I knew how many people were going to be watching. And I didn't even know that the NFL was going to start posting all over social media and over. I had no idea, you know, and again, that's just me being naive and just going through my preparations. Keeping and your head down, process. doing the work, not yeah. about the glory. It, not at all. And then all of a sudden, like my phone blows up with everything. Hey, the NFL has you on this. Like Instagram notifications are crazy. People are sending me screenshots. And I mean, it was just insane. Like my phone shut down that day. Yeah. And I just started to think, oh my God, how many people are going to be at this game other than the ones that are in the stands? Like how many people are going to be streaming this? And the only thing I could think about was, well, I did something right. And there's a reason why I'm here. I just can't let people down. And I had to make sure I just, you know, went back to my fundamentals and I just went through preparation mode and I had to block out the distractions and pretend like, you know, this wasn't a historic day. That's really how I had to treat it. I had to treat it like it was any other day, like it was me on the Pop Warner field, you know, because when you start putting those other titles to things, you don't want to ever make one game bigger than the other because they're all a big game for somebody. You know, it wasn't just about me that day. You know, there are two teams competing out there and they deserve to have the best official out there working for them. So you are a shining example of why I love sport and the teachings and the, you talk about fundamentals and getting back to basics and putting your head down and doing the work. We're going to talk about the hustle grind concrete that you have behind <laughs> your head because I, you know, so what you have behind her head right now for those listening and they're on the wall of her office Hustle, grind, conquer, dominate. Okay, so your first dream as a kid was actually to be the first woman in the NBA. So how old to the WNBA? Because look at how far they have come, right? Right. Um, oh my God! And rest in peace, Kobe, for getting behind you know the WNBA and all that stuff. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In order for your body to fight against whatever life throws your way, your immune system has to be at the ready. And that's why many people turn to probiotics. 
I recently interviewed Tina Anderson, CEO and co-founder of Just Thrive Probiotics for In My Heart. And we certainly agree that the key to our health lies in our gut health. It impacts literally everything, your weight, your mood, your digestion, your skin, your sleep. And because your gut houses up to 80% of your immune system, a healthy gut is truly the gateway to feeling your best. Just Thrive probiotics are proprietary strains designed by nature to put up an armor-like shell when conditions get rough. They withstand extreme temperatures and can even be sprinkled into any food or drink. They require no special encapsulation and no refrigeration. Turn your gut into an antioxidant factory and get maximum immune, digestive, and total body health support. It's vegan-friendly, gluten-free, dairy-free, histamine-free, and non-GMO. Get 15% off the award-winning Just Thrive probiotic when you go to JustThriveHealth.com and use code INMYHEART at checkout. That's 15% off Just Thrive probiotic when you go to JustThriveHealth.com and use code INMYHEART at checkout. It's for a limited time. That's J-U-S-T. T H R I V E health.com and use code in my heart at checkout for 15% off. Now back to my show. So why these words and what happened to the hoop dreams? Cause I want to talk a little bit about that pivot. Yeah. So like hustle, grind, cocker, dominate. That's just the mentality I take whenever I'm taking on any type of task or something that's put in, put in front of me. And how I like to like take on my day. So even if I don't have like a specific goal, it's how you wake up every morning. You wake up with that hustle mentality. Like how much can you get done efficiently throughout the day? And the grind is to challenge yourself. Like how long can you actually do that every single day? It's like creating good habits. And then when you hustle and you grind like that, eventually you're going to conquer. You conquer whatever's in front of you. And then you repeat that process over and over again until you just become dominant. And then, so it's just like a mindset that you have, like, you know, so that you're never giving up and you're always feeling powerful in any situation that you have. It's amazing. It's part of my favorite part of that quote is that I can defy the odds and overcome and pretty much master a craft of sport that I didn't really play, but I have a love and passion for it. Just it, it like, I love the confidence in that message. I love the truth in that message. I love your truth in that message and the truth to the world in that message. So how did it change things for you in your life? I mean, now you're, you know, like people like me are like, my heart is like boom, 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 watching you out there. I got goosebumps. The whole world is watching and some are watching going, God damn. And others are watching going boop, boop. So how did it change things for you in your life? My life has completely changed since, you know, everything has been announced mostly because I'm not really an introvert, but I'm, I stay to myself a lot. I can, I can go unnoticed. Like I don't need the spotlight. That's me, you know, and I'm going to be that same way every single day. I'm going to do what I need to do. And I don't need, you know, likes or check marks or whatever, all that's just a bonus. And so for now, everybody knows who I am. You know, we're in a profession where we're supposed to go unnoticed as referees, but like now I'm probably one of the most noticeable, you know, for obvious reasons. And that's difficult sometimes mm -hmm. 
um, because everybody wants a piece and everybody wants to know what's going on or what's the magic behind stuff. And they're really, to me, there really isn't any magic. It's just me getting up and working hard. It's hustle, you know, grind, it, conquer, dominate, baby. Exactly. That that's that's the magic behind everything. And you know, but me learning how to be more open and more transparent and more inviting to other folks, you know, that is something I'm learning how to do, you know, a lot better, you know, and just being accessible and, you know, I don't know, maybe I need to post more on social media and everything too. So (laughs) (laughs) that's all new to me. I feel like that's a whole other job. We could talk about that, but you're doing just fine and you are inspiring just fine. So, because I want to, I want to say that now, so now you're officiating and you're working on that part of this, you know, the, the dream you didn't even know became mm-hmm. this reality. You know what I mean? That you achieved this greatness because of your greatness, I want to add. But you decide not just to hold that as your job and your choice. You can you decide to continue educating full time, yeah. you know, and that to me, it, it just shows again your unbelievable depth of character. And God, your parents did a hell of a job. So kudos <laughs> to that, divorced or not, you know, they figured it out and or you, you know, persevered from it. But let's talk about why education was so important to you. Why were you like, okay, now I'm here and I've gained this, but mm-mm, I got a place to be because not only do you officiate full time, but you are full time teaching in the public school system. So can, can you talk about why that was so important to you? For me, it has never like, you know, like the quote I had, you know, it's not about my personal accomplishments, you know, for my all women in my culture. Like I represent, you know, teaching at-risk youth and the, yes. the types of students that I come in contact with every day. The representation for me to be in front of them, you know, with all I've all I have accomplished is so meaningful just for them. And none of this is about me. Like it really is. I honestly believe that. I honestly believe that I was put on this platform and I was given this position in order to inspire the next generation to either become me or just to be better than me. And I understand that everything that I have can be taken away. You know, I can be injured and now I'm not no longer on the field or something can happen. I'm no longer relevant. But what have I done in my time, you know, to make others better around me? You know, what if I can no longer live this lifestyle? Will I be okay going back to my community? You know, so those are all things that go inside of my mind. And, you know, children are very impressionable and especially the ones that I deal with. They only listen to a certain type of person, you know, and you have to have a certain type of personality. And I really do think that's my God given gift is being able to motivate and inspire those who think less of themselves and being that being able to have them find the best in their own self in order for them to be successful. And, you know, that keeps me going every day. Let me tell you, I mean, official coach, leader, those are the words of true leadership, true leaders that it's never about them. It's about the greater good and the team. And I, I found this quote about you from Dr. Aaron Spence. And Dr. Aaron Spence is a superintendent of Virginia Beach City Public Schools. And he said, we have a saying here that great dreams need great teachers. He says that you exemplify that and that quite frankly, you're a role model for so many people, for our our young women, 
who we hope can see what you have been able to accomplish because of your commitment to your career, both as a teacher and in athletics and to the African-American students, you're an inspiration. They say they're just so very proud of you. So how important is it for you to impact young women? I know how important it is for me, but you have done for women. I mean, please, I only hope to accomplish and I never will accomplish what you have for women in my lifetime. So how important is it for you as you do look for the first time, maybe into the future, because you're looking into other people's futures and not your own. Mm -hmm. Talk about that. The thing is, we just need more women leaders in any you know, any field, any profession, I don't think we have enough women that are in leadership positions. And for me, it's about, I'm now in a leadership position per se. And it's about me taking what I've learned and giving it back to other women, young ladies or other women who are trying to advance their careers, letting them know how I was able to navigate, you know, in a world that is very conservative and very corporate, and I'm able to be successful in it. And just me giving back and giving them that type of advice to help them, you know, along their success paths. Also by, you know, maybe by people who seeing me in this position, this normalizes women in power and, you know, it creates more opportunities. And, you know, by me working with these guys, they may say, hey, she's not that bad. Maybe you should try hiring one, too. You know, so it, it works. It works that way. <laughs> yeah. When you, but when, seriously, when you reach a certain level, like there are. People, everybody knows everybody when they're a certain position of power, yes. you know, it's yes. a, it's a yes. big fraternity and, you know, they talk, they'll speak well about you, you know, highly, or they may not say some nice things about you, but yeah, you always want to make one sure call away from popular or not. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you always want to make sure that you put that best foot forward because yeah. they may not hire someone else if I don't do well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's pretty poignant. They may not hire someone else if I can't do well. You know, I've heard from friends of mine in the, in the black and brown community and just a- along the way that, you know, we're ready for the first to start to get over, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And there's not the first black woman, the first black woman, the first, but the hundredth, that it's normal place, that it's commonplace yep. to see women in positions that were normally dominated by males, which leads me to my next question, because I got so focused on women for a long time until the pandemic hit. And I started to, it wasn't like it wasn't clear to me then, but it became like really clear and evident to me that we also have to empower our youthful males because Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a change of perception for them as well. I think the impact of my male students has probably been greater than a lot of my female students because they appreciate when, you know, boys are a little different and they have, sometimes they have stronger personalities and they appreciate when you can put them in check and put them in their place. Or for me, I don't really like to separate gender when it comes to certain things. And especially because me, I'm in a male dominated field and I never bring up the fact that I'm a woman in a room full of men. And the same thing with my male students, I never had to say I'm a woman teacher. I'm just a teacher. I'm an educator. And I don't know, maybe it's because of the Jordans that I wear or, you know, how, you know, how fresh I am when I come to class every day that they kind of like the style, you know, it's, it's a little different with them. You know, they say, Hey, I like that. You know, I like the way she carries herself or, you know, she's just smooth and they really follow suit. So I try to carry myself in a way that they want to emulate it, whether it's male or female, you know, and that's the bottom line is just being human, being kind 
And a lot of times you have to teach, especially males, they think they have to carry this certain persona in order to be considered powerful. No, all you have to do is be human, be kind, be caring. You know, those are all characteristic traits that anybody can embody, whether they choose to be black, white. Well, they can't choose to be black or white, whether they choose to be male or female, because there are a lot of people who are choosing genders. You know, I do have transgender students, and that's the reason why I don't like to separate male from female. You know, I just like to address them as human beings. Yeah. I mean, listen, the, the clouds parted when God made you girl. So <laughs> I got to ask from the little boys to the big boys. So what was your rookie season? Like how the big boys accept Maya, you know, it must've been exciting and scary all at the same time. Like, tell me, give me some of the professional feedback you got from the big boys. I will tell you something that's scary was what's scary is when I forgot to bring my shoes to training camp my first weekend. So I showed, I showed up, I showed up to training camp and flip flops and a pink pedicure. And, you know, <laughs> I was like, luckily it was glossy pink with a little bit of sparkle in it, which kind of like, sort of threw them nice off. Feet though, girl. They got to they got nice admire feet. the nice toes. <laughs> yeah. But, that, but then I became like the laughing stock for the entire week. I had coaches and players walking up to me, nice shoes because they had, the team had to give me shoes. So, and I, and by me owning that, you know, and just saying, Hey, I made a mistake. It's a rookie thing. And by me joking myself, that kind of opened up the gates. And sometimes we were playing teams, different teams who weren't even in that training camp. They would come up to me and say, nice shoes, just as joking. So now, you know, players talk to each other. That's right. Um, oh my God. I love that. But my, my, permeated my, and yeah. you got ribs left and right. And you yeah. it. I love it. But my, but my interaction with the players really has been all positive. You know, you have a lot of the players that come up to me and they're just happy that I'm out there because like, this is representation, you know, for my daughter, I have a daughter and that shows her that she can do something. I can tell her I shook your hand and that's great. And when coaches at the end of the game, when a coach comes up to you and tells you good job or good game or good call, you know, that's even better because coaches don't really like officials. And so that's all I work for is to try to make sure I'm, I'm just doing the job correctly. Wouldn't it be great if choosing how you feel was as easy as picking a song on your phone? Tap a button to feel energized without any caffeine. Tap a button to feel relaxed when you're stressed. When I heard that a wearable device called Happy lets you change how you feel, I didn't believe it, so I had to try it. Happy works by delivering signals to give you the same sensations as caffeine, alcohol, and melatonin without any of those chemicals or side effects. Signals are a song only your body can hear. They're made by Happy to replicate the unique magnetic signatures of popular everyday ingredients. Just by switching the signal on your phone, you change how you feel. Using signals to boost my energy instead of that third cup of coffee or increasing my focus when I need to crank out some work, they even have signals for getting deeper, more restful sleep. I've been using my Happy to prepare me for meditation and to lull me to sleep. Happy's backed by decades of research, plus it has a 365-day guarantee. That's right. You can try it for a whole year. So give Happy a try, and you're going to love it as much as I do. Order today, and you'll save 25% and get 90 days of free access to all their signals. Take advantage of their 365-day guarantee today. Go to happy.com slash in my heart. That's H-A-P-B-E-E dot com slash in my heart to save 25% on your order. 
pappy.com slash in my heart. Now back to my show. Officiating, you know, is physical. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. demanding it's game set. So pre NFL in season, postseason, tell us a little bit about Maya and what's what, what it's like for you to, you know, make adjustments when the big seasons are coming up. Wow. So the, the best thing I can say is just try to stay fit all year. So you don't have to worry about getting yourself prepared. The biggest difference in season, it seems like I sleep less and that's because, you know, just the working, um, still working a full-time job, traveling, you pretty much are working seven days a week and it's tough. So you try to like on Saturdays when we come in, you know, the day before a Sunday game, I try to get in as early as I can on a Saturday and I sleep all day Saturday, and especially if I'm, if I'm, you know, I live on the East coast and now I now have a West coast game and you want to be able to adjust to the time zone. Yeah. Um, so it's real important just to be able to catch up on sleep, but that is the biggest, <laughs> the biggest factor that, and sometimes um, eating on the road, it could be difficult, you know, what you like, you may not, it may not always be accessible to you. So those are some things. So when you, when you do have the time to eat what you want to eat, you have to make sure you're mindful about what you put in your body. Um, but yeah, it's just like really a time crunch throughout the week. Oh my God. It's basics though. It's like rest, recovery, and nutrition. Like those yep. are the elements to keep us moving and going. And, and just remember that you guys, your sleep is so important. If you didn't hear it anywhere, you heard it here. And you know, like that's what she does before a big game. She makes sure she's rested. I mean, that's incredible. Now I know officiating has given you a platform in your community. And I also know that your non-for-profit work is awesome and inspiring. So officiating, teaching with an educator full-time and then how you lean back into your community and empower and supercharge youth. Talk us, talk us through that a little bit. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that I had gems before and I kind of, I wanted to be able to not, I want to be more inclusive for everyone because gems really just targeted uh, young ladies. Yes. And so I want to target everyone who was, you know, young and that needed the assistance. So that's how I end up coming up with make meaningful change. And Make Meaningful Change is really like a community engagement uh, piece. And what we're just trying to do is just come up with more activities for teens to do because there's not a lot of activities for teens. You see a lot of things that are geared to, um, you know, the youth, like, I'm I'm sorry, like like elementary. Yeah. Yeah. What does a kid do during the day? I mean, I agree (laughs) with you. It's hard. You know, you got to keep them active. It's like they're either going to eat or they're going to go party. Yep. Yep. So they're at that age, especially the ones who have, you know, run into a little bit of trouble or, you know, don't make the best decisions. Mm -hmm. It's about me bringing myself and my circle, you know, and the resources that I now have, bringing them close to them so that they can understand that, you know, it is possible for them to take a different path in life. These are people who this is how you network. This is how you meet these folks. This is if you're interested in being a sports agent, here's somebody who's an agent and they can tell you through it. And if you don't, you change your mind after talking to this agent and you want to go into a different field. Well, here's another professional that works here and we can help you out. Um, but it's all about bringing our community together and, you know, just providing opportunities for young people. I got to say it because this is like one of my big questions I had. I, you know, I want to, I want you to show there had to be some fun, awkward moments that you can tell us about when it comes to, you know, being on the field or maybe one of your favorite moments on the field. I want you to talk about that. But first I'm going to ask you this question because I don't know if this about an official 
you can have a, can you have a team favorite? Like, how do you have a team favorite in the NFL if you're an official? Now, I know you're a Rochester girl, so I gotta, I gotta quiz you here. So as a New Yorker, cause you know, board and bread too. Me too, baby. So I'm gonna guess Giants, Jets, or Buffalo. And can you pick, are you allowed? I know I'm not like I can't pick. So I, I really do not have a favorite. I don't. And, you know, I could say as I played a lot of Madden, I'll play a lot of Tecmo Bowl growing yeah. up. But yeah, when yeah. I played Tecmo Bowl, I always play with Bo Jackson because <laughs> he was unstoppable. He was unstoppable. But, yeah, but I, I, I do not have a favorite at all. I don't. And you're not really allowed to, like, publicly say if you have a favorite team as an official or you just you just don't. Is it like not allowed? It's not in the rule book. All right. What about, what about baseball? If it's not the NFL, are you Yankees or Mets? Yankees. Yeah, baby. Okay. Islanders or Rangers? I don't watch hockey, (laughs) but I I will, I will say this though. I had a Rangers Jersey because it was cool. And I used to wear that to high school, like in like the nineties, like it was the cool thing to wear, like the high school Jersey. I mean, the hockey Jersey and something else. And I did have that. You had to have Rangers over the Islanders as a New Yorker, Manhattan girl. You know, I had to say that. <laughs> the Knicks or the Nets? Right now? <laughs> <laughs> I could answer. Gro- <laughs> gro- gro- growing up, it was the Knicks. Like, I love I love the Knicks. But, like, you- how can you not watch a Nets game right now? I know, right? You That's know, true that. I can't, you can't be a hater. True Kevin that. Durant's amazing. He's incredible. Amazing, amazing. You know who I've been love. I love watching uh, Dion's new work, Dion Sanders. Back to NFL, mm-hmm. but like how he has leaned into youth. And I mean, I know him from back in the day when I worked for Puff, and I love seeing what he's doing for the youth. I love seeing these guys come out and these girls come out and and really lean into to the youth and stay in the game and teach those fundamentals that you talk about so much. It's so important. Okay. So can you share one favorite moment, one awkward moment on the field? I mean, I know you shared the shoe story, which is incredible, but anything that you can share, people love the tickets. I see that. That's, that's so crazy. I can't, I cannot think everything has been a blur for me um, this entire year. I would say my favorite moment Golly, I may not even favorite moment was probably when I had, you know, interaction with, you know, like Tampa Bay's coach when he said he was trying to find something to fuss me out about, but he couldn't. He's, you know, he just says I did a good job and he couldn't fuss me out about anything. He was really trying. He was trying to find something. It was a preseason game. So he was trying to break me in. And so, you know. It didn't work. He said, you just did a good job. You're working this game like it's a uh, like a postseason game or something. I was focused. Watch so I don't know if that's baby. Watch yeah. So I mean that 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 was cool. And I I would say my least favorite. I don't really have a least favorite moment. That's crazy. I don't. I don't I, have a least favorite moments when people ask me that either. I just think they're yeah. all. You know, they're all. I mean, I I guess maybe if I like slipped on the banana peel in front of a crowd or something like that, that might be. But. You know, I think all of those moments, awkward, you know, whatever it is, are all like mm-hmm. lessons, learning lessons as part of life experience. So I like to take the good, the bad and the ugly. And I also like what you said, too, about, you know, whether you get more on social media or you don't get more on social media, like all the accolades and all that stuff is just the bonus. But you keep your head down and you focus on what's important and you sure do that man i mean you really really do so you know what? hold on a second i take yeah. i take that back i do have yeah. an awkward moment now that i think about it it was a, the very first game right before the game started 
my crew punk me. So we work with the same crew every week. They punk me. And so they come to me and I have like one of the most wholesome crew chiefs referees in the league. And you would never think that he would like try to prank somebody. He's a very nice guy. He tells me right before the game, all right, you're going to do the opening coin toss. And I have no idea, like I'm not doing do a coin toss because it's a whole speech. That's like the big thing is a coin toss. And you have to make sure you point the teams in the right direction and everything. Oh, yeah. I said, I don't know how to do a coin toss. He goes, well, we're going to practice right now. So he gives me a coin and the whole crew has me going through the coin toss procedure in the locker room. I'm messing up words. I'm sweating because I'm thinking I'm really supposed to do this. He goes, nobody told you about this. All rookies do it like their first year. And so everybody's just watching me mess up this coin toss thing. And not, and I'm really going in my mind thinking I'm going, going to go out in the field and do it. I was sweating because this is something I've never rehearsed. And then he doesn't tell me until right when we hit the field, hey, I'll take care of the coin toss. You don't have to do it. So that was pretty awkward. So you're like, there thanks. You know. My my armpits have like big <laughs> circles underneath them for the game. Now that you made me sweat so hard in the locker room. Yeah, that's bad. Uh, I love that. I mean, I am sure that the punking that goes on in mm-hmm. football has got to be, I mean, huge. And how fun is that? So when you are not getting punked and you're not doing the work and you're not involved in your community and you're not involved with your students and you're not focused on your game, my girlfriend, how are you finding your freedoms? What makes you tick? What makes me tick? I, I mean, I love I love my nephew and, you know, I, I love my cousin who's, who's like a son to me. And believe it or not, I, you know, I get on the Xbox and I play with them, you know, and just have a good time because they don't live with me in Virginia. One's in New York and one's in Texas. And to be able to hang with them is great. And, you know, any free time I get, I fly out and I try to be with them. Uh, if, if I'm by myself, I really just like to throw on my R&B music and just, you know, I cook a little bit in my kitchen and, you know, enjoy my bubble baths and just trying to have that little piece of serenity for me. You know, that woosah moment that that that's all me. Well, it kind of finishes full circle where we started. And, you know, you find your freedom and family first. Mm-hmm. And isn't that something beautiful? Well, I cannot tell you how much I have enjoyed being with you. Your work speaks for itself. You know, the, the things people are saying about you speak for themselves. This, this podcast and how you represent, you know, community and forward motion and, you know, taking the hard knocks, you know, on the chin and, you know, being better for it. I just thank you so much. Please keep doing what you're doing. Those people who don't know you, be, I can't imagine, <laughs> but can, can you tell them where they can follow you and find you? I know you're not Miss Savvy on Instagram, but let them follow you because you got so much good stuff going on to share. And I want to add one thing. I have never been to a Super Bowl, but mark my words, your first will be my first. All right. I'm waiting for it. Awesome. But yeah, you, you, can, you can follow me. My, my Instagram is really, very simple. It's just my first and last name, Maya Shaka, M-A-I-A-C-H-A-K-A. That's it. That's you it. Know? Well, we're going to be looking at you and I Make- hope you'll come back and fill us in on life as you go and anything else that anything I could ever do to help or promote and, and, and lean into your, your kids and the work that you do, please don't ever hesitate to call me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity today. Uh, You're incredible. Thank you, baby. So my goodness, I kept looking at my face in the mirror. Like my face has been bright red 
the whole podcast. And I can't say that has ever happened to me. You are a delight and inspiration. I was so excited to do this podcast. The minute I saw you, I was like, I have got to know this girl. And I hope that we can have a long-standing friendship. You have a fan in me. And thank you for, again, being with us. We really appreciate it. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.